Hello and welcome to the latest episode in the Oz Movie Geek podcast. I'm your host, Pato. So yesterday was Disney's Investors Day and there was a lot of movie news that came out, TV news that came out for Marvel, Pixar, Disney in general, Star Wars. There was just so much news and I, I posted all about it on my Facebook page and I thought, you know what, I need to break down some of these stories because it's pretty big news for film fans, people who really just want to know what's going on, what's coming out. And I thought it would be a good opportunity to really go through and dissect some of this news and really talk about some of the, I guess, different uh, perspectives of what is going on and, and what people can expect moving forward from some of these big franchises and properties. I am a fan of pretty much all pop culture. I look forward to watching good content. If something is a brand that I'm not a huge fan of, let's say like the Transformers films or the Transformers brand in general, if they release a good film, I'm going to acknowledge it's a good film. So my perspective for these sorts of titles remains quite consistent with that, where I am looking forward to just watching enjoyable content, things that I can really get around and if Disney Plus and Disney can provide that for me, then I'm going to enjoy some of these titles. However, I thought I would just break down some of the news from yesterday and really talk about what this means, what uh, what's coming out, you know, when we can expect to see some of these shows and things like that. So let's break down some of these uh, news topics and my thoughts overall about it, and then I'll get into some discussions of where to from here and what I'm planning to do on this podcast too. I've got some ideas ready for 2021. It's been a quiet end to the year. There hasn't been a great deal released. I don't really plan on seeing The Fat Man uh, with Mel Gibson. I want to, but I I don't plan on going to the cinemas to see that one. I did watch The New Mutants, but if you want my review of it, it was pretty bad. I don't really have anything else to say about it. I didn't really like it. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm, I'm halfway through watching Tenet again. I was going to do a revised review of Tenet, but I need to watch it a couple of times. I think I'm, I'm in the process of watching it, rewinding it and writing notes just so I understand. I've picked up a lot more from the first viewing that I have in the second viewing, and I'm definitely enjoying it a lot more this time around. Um, and I'm hoping to do a, like a retrospective refit of that review and really discuss some of the things I've picked up, some of the things I enjoy a bit more watching it a second time around and things like that. I'm also planning on doing some reviews of older films. I have something exciting um, in the works, which I'll discuss at the end of the podcast that I actually am really excited about. Um, and I'll be launching that early next year. I also want to do a recap of 2020 as well, but I don't want to do it as a traditional re- uh, review of the year like I did last year, having a best and the worst list. It, it doesn't really work this year because of the films that we got, the films that we didn't get. So instead, I'm just going to discuss what I liked and what I didn't like and just break down the whole year. I don't really have a best and worst of the year. Um, It's been a bit too hard to really put those sort of lists together. But instead, I'll just break down everything I saw during the year and just give my overall thoughts of that, including television as well. Um, I have watched some shows during this year. I haven't been as good in that department as I would have liked to have been. Shows like The Queen's Gambit and even Blind Manor, I still haven't watched. So... I haven't been as consistent in that department, but at the same time, I still have seen a lot and I will break down 2020 uh, in the near future. But for the meantime, I thought, let's get stuck into this Disney news because there's a lot to break down, a lot to dissect and a lot to talk about. So without further ado, let's get stuck into it. So the first piece of news I posted on my page yesterday was the return of Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader in the face-off against Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan in the new series coming 
to Disney+. Plus. Now, this is a series I think that a lot of fans are anticipating. It's meant to take place 10 years after the events of Order 66 in Revenge of the Sith. So we have Obi-Wan, who we thought was a recluse, but instead he has gone on a massive adventure during this time, and that's what we're going to follow. I'm excited to see uh, Ewan McGregor return as Obi-Wan, and I think a lot of fans are. I just wish that with this show that it does remain relatively small-scaled. I would rather Obi-Wan just helping people... Um, you know, on Tatooine, I, I don't really need him to go on these large adventures, but at the same time, I understand the fans' desire to see what happens there. Hayden Christensen's return, he's not a very good actor. Uh, I, I don't really like him as a performer. I just don't think he really has the gravitas to really, you know, draw you in and make you believe what he's selling. But at the same time, we've only seen him play Darth Vader or Anakin Skywalker under George Lucas there. And George Lucas's direction of the prequels is just flat. There's nothing really going on there. Um, people say that his performance in the third one is the best out of the three. I, I would have to agree. He's only in the two, though, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. But he's still very angsty and just really whiny. But I still feel that he can do something here. And I, I like the consistency. If you're going to have Hayden Christensen return, it makes sense because that's you know that that's the, the actor that did play Anakin in the prequel um, or the latter prequel films anyway. So I like the consistency and I think it's exciting, especially for fans who are looking forward to seeing that one. I think that's the news that they really wanted. So yeah, I, I think that's awesome. And um, I'm excited to see where this Obi-Wan show goes. But at the same time, I'm just not... I, I'm, I'm hesitant. I, I don't want it to be a show that just unnecessarily... I don't know. I don't know the, the correct wording to use here. I don't want a show that's unnecessarily made just for the fans. I would rather the show be made and have a purpose for existing. And I'm sure it will. I just hope it's good. Um, but yeah, that, that's the first piece of news that came out yesterday. The second is something regarding FX. Now, this was still attached to it because this property is owned by Disney. Um, and Hulu, of course is also owned by Disney now, previously a Fox product, but it's also now a Disney product. Um, and that is the announcement of an Alien TV series that is set on Earth in the works at FX through Hulu. Now, the Alien franchise was a big question mark of where that's going to end up. Ridley Scott is still in development for a third um, Prometheus uh, film there following that timeline uh, leading up to the first Alien. I think that there's going to be another Alien film in that timeline. I don't think they'll throw away that work that Ridley Scott did do there. Whether or not it's in the, you know, the, I guess, scale that those previous two films are will be another question. I, I don't think they'll be these big, large budget films because I don't think that Disney wants to put a lot into that franchise. However, Disney has announced a reboot already through their 20th Century Studios, which, of course, used to be 20th Century Fox. Um, they have announced a reboot of Predator already, so they can see the, I guess, potential in that franchise, but they're not really seeing a lot in Alien, which is disappointing because I am in the minority because I know a lot of people are very on the fence about Prometheus and people downright hated Alien Covenant. I really liked Alien Covenant, so I'm interested to see what happens there. And the idea of an Alien show set on Earth is interesting. You just have to make it work. Um, the Aliens on Earth can be a lot of fun, but you just really need to make it isolated and scary again. I, I want Alien to be scary again. I watched Alien 
on 4K recently with my partner who'd never seen it before, and it just looked fantastic. And just the atmosphere that's built during that film really gets under your skin like nothing else. It's such an isolated, scary... It's just awesome. I love Alien, and I just feel that I want to see that sort of gravitas in an Alien film again. We just haven't really seen that. I I think out of the sequels, uh, Aliens excluded, because I see it more as a... I see it more as an action film, and I love Aliens. I think it's a fantastic film. But I guess getting back to the ground roots of Alien, the closest we've really come is Alien Covenant, and I really enjoyed what Ridley Scott was doing there. A lot of the stuff with David I just really enjoy, and I would rather see that you know develop into its own thing. I don't necessarily need it as a part of the Alien franchise, but... I love the idea of this synthetic robot just creating life. It's so interesting and so disturbing and weird, and it's so well done. The ending of Alien Covenant really got to me. Just I, I, I know it's predictable and people were, oh, I knew that was coming. I, I could see it coming too, but I just really enjoyed the way that that finished up. So I would like to see that develop more. I'm not really talking about this FX show because... I don't know, FX is so average, but I, I'm I'm still excited to see another entry in the alien canon um and just whether or not it's good we'll see but yeah who knows it it could be fun um i just hope that it's handled correctly um the next thing i had here is hocus pocus 2 i I don't really have anything to say about that i don't really like hocus pocus so fine (laughs) go to disney plus i just won't watch you uh, the next thing here is rogue squadron a new star wars movie directed by patty jenkins will release uh, Christmas in 2023, uh, Rogue Squadron was a video game, of course, um, where you play as the Rebellion there. Um, I never played the game. It was a bit before my time there. I know it's very popular. We got Squadrons this year, which was a lot of fun. I actually own the game, and I think it's a lot of fun to play. It's really difficult, but I really enjoy it. Um, Patty Jenkins, I, I, I haven't seen Wonder Woman 2 yet. It hasn't come out, of course, until Christmas Day. But a lot of people are saying it's fantastic. I think she did a great job with uh, Wonder Woman uh, in general. So I'm interested to see what she does there. I'm happy for her to come on and direct Rogue Squadron. I'm sure she'll do a good job. Um, I like that they're sort of straying away from the Jedi and uh, Sith stuff. I I like these smaller stories. I wish there was a bit more restraint shown in The Mandalorian. I understand that they're trying to set up a few other things here. Um, and I wish that the Jedi stuff had remained separate from the Mandalorian. I'm honestly fine with Mando going around helping people. It's fun, it's simple, but it's really effective and it's different. Um, so I hope Rogue Squadron does have some restraint there and it doesn't really go into that. I hope that it just remains solely on a group of, you know, it it's, uh, follows that Rogue Squadron. I'm happy for that to happen. I would really like to see that. And I think Patty Jenkins, as an action director, can do some exciting things behind the camera. Some of the stuff she did in Wonder Woman I wasn't a big fan of, but I'm sure that she's taken those criticisms on board to really do something with them. I think she's a really good voice as a director. Uh, She handles things very well, um, and I'm interested to see what she can do there. So I'm all on board for that. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, We also got a teaser trailer for The Bad Batch, a new animated Star Wars series coming to Disney+. Plus. It looks fine. Um, I... I'm very picky with the animated stuff. I really liked Rebels, um, and I know a lot of people didn't, but I, I really did like Rebels. I haven't watched Resistance. Uh, I've watched all the Clone Wars. Um, the Clone Wars was very hit and miss for me. There was a lot of episodes that I just could have done without, but 
the Clone Wars conclusion this year was fantastic, and I didn't really talk about that on the podcast, but I thought it really finished strongly. That was some of the most visually striking uh, Star Wars imagery I've ever seen, and I really felt the emotional connection, especially with Ahsoka in those last two episodes. It was really powerful. Um, so I really enjoyed what they did there. Um, and I'm sure Disney have some plans there. I like that they're keeping consistent with that Star Wars animation that they did with Rebels and Clone Wars as well. So I think that's cool. Keeping that consistency really does assist there with the likability of what the brand is trying to do. So I, I'm, I'm a fan of that. I think that will be fine. Um, the next one we have here is I Am Groot. Everyone's favorite little tree, Baby Groot, will star in a new series of shorts on Disney+. Plus featuring several new and unusual characters. I Am Groot will um, come to Disney Plus soon. Doesn't have an official release date yet. Um, I, I'm fine with this as well. It doesn't really mean a great deal to me. When it says a series of shorts, I imagine it to be like the post credit scenes of Guardians 2, where it was just a bunch of just random things happening with just random characters. I'm fine if they do that. Um, it, it'll just be something addition, uh, additional for fans to really watch on Disney+. Plus. It looks like it might be in the vein of those um, Simpson shorts that they've been debuting in front of those Pixar movies uh, with Maggie, like Maggie's Playdate and things like that. I think they're going to be similar to that, which I'm fine with. I think it, it's just additional content for people to watch if they want to. I probably won't. Um, but, yeah, if you want to watch it, there you go. It's there. Uh, the next thing we have is the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. Uh, G- James Gunn will be back to write and direct. The original special is coming to Disney Plus in 2022. Um, anything James Gunn touches for me is gold. He is fantastic. And I think out of the Marvel movies, the Guardians movies are really quite different and unique. You can actually see a, a director's stamp on those films. So I'm happy for him to do that. I think it'll be a lot of fun. And I'm all on board. I'll definitely watch the Guardian special. I love the Guardians of the Galaxy, and I love James Gunn. So bring it on. Uh, the next thing announced was Lightyear, a Buzz Lightyear origin story starring Chris Evans as the original Space Ranger that the toy was based on. will release on June 17th, 2022. Now, from my understanding, this is a film as well, um, and it will be released uh, directly to Disney+. Plus. I am a bit confused about this one just because can't Buzz Lightyear just be a toy? I mean, uh, are the Transformers based on other, like, real Transformers? You know what I mean? Like, it just seems a bit stupid. I, I just feel like, why can't Buzz Lightyear be Buzz Lightyear? It's just a toy, and it doesn't need this origin story. Maybe it could be fun. I don't know. Chris Evans is great, but I just feel like this is a waste of Pixar's talent. Um, I, I'm keen for Soul at the end of the year. Oddwood was pretty good. Um, I'm, I'm keen to watch original content like that. I don't need a Buzz Lightyear prequel story. I just feel like it's a waste from Pixar. But at the same time, they know what they're doing. I probably won't watch that one. It's really not of any interest to me. And I just feel like that sort of thing does not need to exist. Um, but people like Toy Story, so we'll see what happens. Uh, the next thing we got was a new trailer for WandaVision, which premieres January 15th on Disney+. Plus. So this is the closest uh, premiere on Disney+, Plus from everything that we saw yesterday. Um WandaVision looks very confusing. I still don't really understand what's going on. Um, it could be fun. I love Paul Bettany, and I think Elizabeth Olsen is fantastic. So it could be a lot of fun, the two of them together. Um, Paul Bettany didn't really get a lot to do in the Avengers films, which was a bit of a shame. Elizabeth Olsen's, her contract's ongoing. She'll be in the new Doctor Strange film. 
Um, but I, I'm, I'm kind of keen to see what happens there. But at the same time, out of all the Marvel things that are coming out, WandaVision's probably at the bottom of the barrel, close to another one that I'm going to talk about shortly as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm sure it'll be fine. It's wrapped and, and done, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I, I'm keen to see some of the imagery in it as well, and I'm keen to see Paul Bettany back because he's done, I think, in the big screen um, appearances there. But... I am keen to see what the show will do and what it is um, because, like I said, I'm a bit confused at what's going on. But it does look like a bit of fun, so we'll check it out and see what happens. Uh, Disney Animation Studios is creating four new series for Disney+, Plus: a Moana series, a Tiana series, a Baymax series, and a Zootopia Plus series. Um, yeah, I, I don't really care. Um, I love Big Hero 6, Zootopia, and Moana. I think they're all fantastic. Uh, I don't really know what Tiana is, and I'm sorry if I'm missing something there, but um, I, I just feel like they're fine as movies. Do we need shows for them? Zootopia probably lends itself best to a TV show. You can do a lot of different stories inside that Zootopia world, but Baymax, uh, not not really. I really liked Big Hero 6, and I always thought they would do a sequel because that movie was quite successful, but we never got a sequel, which is fine. We don't need a sequel, but... Do we really need a TV show on it? I, I don't know. Um, we'll see what happens. I probably won't watch any of these, if I'm being honest. They don't interest me at all. But, hey, we'll see what happens. Um, the next thing, um, John Mulani and Annie Sandberg will star in a live-action animated hybrid Chippendale Rescued Rangers movie for Disney+. Plus. Do not care um, at all. I, yeah, won't watch that one. Um, the next thing is a um, first glimpse there at the Endor series based on Cassian Endor, uh, the character from Rogue One played by uh, Diego Luna. Um, again, uh, do, does he need a story? I, I really don't care. Um, the the in, the look looked all right. They always make those Disney um, Star Wars videos look really interesting where the characters, uh, the actors are talking about the character and what the character means and what Star Wars means. So... It's pretty consistent with what we've already seen before. I, I don't really care. I, I don't think this needs to exist, but it's, it does exist, so we'll see what happens. It's on the low end of the scale there for the Star Wars stuff announced yesterday. I probably won't watch it, but we will see. Um, but, yeah, it's not really on my list. I, again, I just feel like some Star Wars, it's like, oh, everyone get a, gets an origin story. You get an origin story. You get an origin story. Disney's playing Oprah, and I don't really like it. I just feel like... Not everything needs to be explained. Things can just exist. It's fine for things to exist. Um, the next news we got here was um, She-Hulk arrives to the MCU. Tatiana Maslany will portray Jennifer Walters, She-Hulk, and Tim Roth will return as the Abomination, and Hulk himself, Mark Ruffalo, will appear in the series, directed by Kat Koro and Anu Vala. Uh, She-Hulk is coming to Disney+. Plus. Um, the news of Tim Roth returning here was actually quite exciting to me. I actually am keen for Kat Koiro uh, to get some work too because she's uh, been involved with It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. She's a bit of a sitcom director there, but um, I guess with the talent that they were meant, they, they found there in some of those sitcom directors like Peyton Reed, um, the, the Russo brothers, they found some real talent in there. So I'm hoping that She-Hulk is like a breakthrough thing because I'm not really expecting it. And like I said, I'm really excited for Tim Roth to return. Um, he's 60 years old now, so he's, he's getting on. But Tim Roth as the Abomination was a lot of fun. He was just so aggressive. I actually watched The Incredible Hulk last night. I, I don't know why. I just wanted to. I got it on 4K recently, and I was like, let's see how it looks on 4K. And it looks pretty good. 
Um, and Tim Roth in that movie is just like, he's an animal. Like, he's just so vicious. And I was like, I, I'm keen to see that character return because they make a point at the end of the movie that he doesn't die. They just never brought him back for anything. So I'm interested to see where he is. I'd say William Hurt will be returning as well as, um, as General Ross. But, yeah, we'll see what happens there. I'm actually really keen to see Tim Roth back. I think that was the news that really really excited me because I was like, oh, Tim Ross back. Even more so than Mark Ruffalo returning. Um, I haven't really seen a lot of Tatiana Maslany, um, but at the same time, she could be a lot of fun. I'm actually going to look up, because the name's not really ringing a huge bell at the moment. So she was in she was in Perry Mason this year, which I still haven't seen. It got released on Blu-ray recently because we still don't have HBO Max here. Um, she's in Stronger, of course. Um yeah, I'm sure she'll be fine as, as She-Hulk. I haven't really seen a lot of her filmography, so we'll see what she does. Um, but yeah, I, I am excited to see that one. I think that it could potentially be like a, a something different, so I, I am keen for that one. Uh, Peter Pan and Wendy will be flying to Disney+. Plus. David Lowry directs. I think David Lowry is amazing. Um, he, of course, directed uh, Ghost Story, which is one of the most underrated films of the last couple of years. That is such a beautifully haunting film. Um, he directed Pete's Dragon for Disney+, Plus, which I actually really enjoyed. I thought Pete's Dragon was, out of all the live-action films, it's by far my favourite. Um, I, I just feel that he's a really unique director, and I, I'm really keen to see him actually do a Peter Pan movie because we haven't really got anything Peter Pan for a while, excluding that terrible Pan movie with Hugh Jackman. Um, I, I'm keen to see what that could be. Um we have um, Yara uh, Shahidi um, playing Tinkerbell and Jude Law as Captain Hook, which is pretty exciting as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm keen to see what that one will look like. Uh, anything David Lowry touches, I'm, I'm keen for. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Brie Larson will return as Carol Danvers in Marvel Studios' Captain Marvel 2, directed by Nia DaCosta. Joining the cast are uh, recently announced Miss Marvel, um, Aman Valani and Monica Rambo. Uh, played by WandaVision's Tayona Paris. Uh, Captain Marvel flies into theatres November 11th, 2022. Uh, this was a no-brainer. This was going to happen. Captain Marvel blitzed the box office, making over a billion dollars worldwide. Um, that's excluding its revenue it made on um, DVD, uh, streaming, and everything as well. So we'll see what happens there. I really didn't like Captain Marvel. Out of all the Marvel films, it was really bottom of the barrel for me. It just felt so bland. Um, I thought Brie Larson was fine. I thought she was pretty good in the role. Um, I enjoyed seeing Samuel L. Jackson. Um, I, I did enjoy a lot of the, um, I guess, the, the story elements were there. It was just such flat direction and the action was just so poor. I also have a problem with Captain Marvel's character herself because she's so powerful. It just doesn't... When you have someone so powerful, it's hard for them to be defeated. So you need to do something there. But Nia DaCosta's involvement as the director is actually quite exciting. Um, her Candyman film has been on my list for quite some times. And Little Woods is a really good film too. So I'm interested to see her direction in Captain Marvel um, 2. I, I feel that with these directors, they direct something um, small scale and they just get picked up by these studios because they have potential. Um, I would like to see her keep doing original films or reimaginings like this Candyman. And I guess I can comment a little on Candyman because we saw that beautiful trailer where it showed the, it was the drawings of Candyman and his origin story. And it was absolutely gorgeous. And she directed that. 
Um, so I, I'm keen to see her direct um, Captain Marvel 2. I think she's a she's a good director, and I'm really looking forward to her vision, but I would like there to be a vision. I don't want it to be another bland Marvel movie. Show me a director's stamp on one of these Marvel movies. I would really like to see that. Um, we also have a Willow original series coming from Lucasfilm, uh, starring Warwick Davis with the pilot directed by John M. Chu, and this one is coming in 2022. I've never really been a huge fan of Willow. I understand its huge cult following, and not even a cult following, it's just got a huge following in general. So I can understand Lucasfilm wanting to do something like this. Um, it'll be interesting to see Warwick Davis come back to something like this because he's getting on now. Um, I would actually really like George Lucas to return as a producer for this. I think that would be something special, but we will see what happens. I'm sure more news will uh, come shortly in regards to that one. I uh, 2022, so that will be in production next year. Star Wars Visions is a new animated series uh, of short films that celebrates the Star Wars galaxy through the lens of the world's best Japanese anime creators coming in 2021. That could be a lot of fun. I was saying to my friend, this one is definitely aimed more so towards an international audience. Not that um, there aren't fans of anime. I'm a fan of anime myself. Um, but I just feel that this is something for, for fans overseas. They're giving them giving them something to get around. So I, I'm excited for that. And I, I love seeing some of the animation um, that comes out of Japan. Um, some of my favorite animated products have come from Japan. So I'm really looking forward to seeing some of the visuals there. I think they can be quite striking and impressive. So we'll see what happens there. But that one comes next year. So I'd say that one's maybe already wrapped production, which is pretty cool. Um, we also have an Ahsoka, a new original series starring Rosario Darson um, and set within the timeline of The Mandalorian, coming to Disney+. Plus. Now, Ahsoka appeared in episode or chapter 12, 13 of um, The Mandalorian. Um, and, yeah, Ahsoka's awesome. Ahsoka's one of my favorite characters in the Star Wars universe. So, of course, I'm keen. But at the same time, I don't need it. I'm happy for her to have that little moment there. We can see what she's doing and what she's up to. That's all I need. We got a bit of her in Rebels as well. Um, I, I know where she is and what she's up to. I don't really need to see more of that. I'm happy for her to be a pop-in and in The Mandalorian, to be honest. But Rosario Dawson was really good as Ahsoka. So I can understand them wanting to bring her back. But I don't think she needs a whole film to herself. But or the whole series to itself. We don't really need to see that. And, and it's not just saying, uh, you know, oh, I don't want to see um, I, I don't want to see her do that. It's not that. It's I don't want to see that in general. I don't want to see another Star Wars spin-off product. I'd rather than focus more on original content. I don't need to see these spin-off shows. Uh, like I said, we have enough of that. And the more we get, the more oversaturated the market becomes for those products. And it's just too much content. But Rosario Dawson was really, really good. So at the same time, I'm kind of keen to see what she will do there. Um, the next thing was probably the biggest surprise of the day, and that was John Watts is going to helm a new Fantastic Four film at Marvel Studios. So maybe John Watts will be stepping away from Spider-Man after this Spider-Verse um, debacle that's going on at the moment, which I'll talk about at the end of the podcast. Um, but John Watts is going to helm a new Fantastic Four movie. Uh, that's cool. Fantastic Four has not worked at all um, in a live action sense. So let's see what John Watts can do. I was excited for Josh Trank. So we will see what happens there. Uh, studio, stay away. Let John Watts do what he needs to do. I'm sure he'll be able to develop the characters. It shouldn't be too hard. They're not that hard. They're just quite simple characters. They've never been anything to 
impactful. You need to cast well, cast really well. Um, and yeah, bring back Doctor Doom because he's one of Marvel's best villains. So do that right and you've got a film. I think this was the most surprising news because I don't think anyone expected Marvel to really touch anything related to um, the Fox Studios Marvel products there for a while, but they're jumping in there with Fantastic Four. So we'll see what happens. Um, there's no release date of that film. I would say we're looking 2023 for that. Um, similar to the Blade announcement, which I was going to touch on next, but there wasn't a lot to say with Blade that, uh, apart from that it will be set within the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Mahershala Ali is playing Blade, which is cool. But I'd say both of those films are not on the back burner, but they're in development where they will probably release sometime in 2023, 24. Um, I'd say they're a couple of years off. But I'm looking forward to both of those products. I would like to see the Fantastic Four done right because I feel like it shouldn't be as hard as what they've made it. That Fantastic Four film in 2015 was probably one of the biggest disappointments I've ever had watching a film. I, I After I heard some of the stories in that trailer didn't come out until two months before the film, I thought, uh, we're in trouble here. Um, but at the same time, we'll see what happens. I, I just remember sitting in the theatre watching that film and just thinking, you're kidding. This is awful. I, I, I had potential at the start of the film and even up until I could get on board up until halfway through and I was like okay it's a bit choppy but all right let's show us them with their powers now and then we get this stamp on the film that says one year later and I was like you're what that's like the most important part is them learning how to use their powers even the bloody Tim Story films from the mid-2000s with Jessica Alba and Chris Evans did that better like ah, absolutely absolutely garbage so we'll see what happens there with that one um, and like I said probably 2023-24 um, Peyton Reed is back to direct the third Ant-Man film, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, Michelle Pfeiffer all return. Catherine Newton joins the cast as Cassie Lang and Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror. Now, Catherine Newton has been doing quite a bit recently. Um, I really enjoyed Freaky, and I mentioned that she was quite good in that film as well. Um, and I, I really enjoyed Blockers too. And I, even going back to her first performance I saw her in, which was Paranormal Activity 4, I thought she's a quite a good performer. So that's good casting. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what she'll do in that film. Now, I said earlier in the podcast that there was another show that I really couldn't care less about, and that is Armor Wars. Don Cheadle returns as James Rode, a.k.a. the War Machine in Armor Wars. Uh, an original series coming to Disney+, Plus, a classic Marvel story about Tony Stark's worst fear coming true. What happens when his tech fails and falls into the wrong hands? Um, who cares? Like, this is just the most bleh thing ever. I don't think anyone really is like, oh, man, what's War Machine up to? Don Cheadle's getting on. I don't really want to see him do this. I, I just feel like it's just unnecessary. Um, yeah, I, I'm not looking forward to this at all. I, I, I just think, who cares? That is my reaction. Who who cares? Um, I, I don't know why every character needs their own show. So, yeah, I don't care. Um, and I, I just feel it's just a waste. It just feels like wasting money. I, I, I know people are going to watch it. But yeah, who cares? Who cares? Um, coming soon to Disney Plus, Dominic Thorne is a genius inventor, Riri Williams in Ironheart, an original series about creator of the most advanced suit in armor since Iron Man. 
Uh, this could be fun. I remember um, Ironheart's... Uh, I remember the comic book, actually, because um, I, I don't think I ever owned it, but I just remember the artwork being quite striking. I'm fine with that. Um, that could be something fun, um, and it could be different. I, I'm excited to see that. I like the idea of having um, the Iron Man legacy live on, so that that's cool, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing something in that. Um, now, this is one of my most anticipated out of nowhere, and that is The Secret Invasion. Samuel Jackson is back as Nick Fury, and Ben Mendelsohn will return from Captain Marvel as the Skrull Talos in Marvel Studios' original series, Secret Invasion. The Secret Invasion comic book I actually did read. It's quite enjoyable. It's the idea that the Krull come to Earth and they're all... Um, yeah, that they're living among us as as people and that they're invading Earth, um, but they look like normal people. So... That sounds a bit like a, a spy espionage kind of story, and I think with Samuel Jackson and um, Ben Mendelsohn, they had really good chemistry with each other in uh, Captain Marvel, um, one of my favourite elements of that film. So definitely looking forward to that, and I think that could be a lot of fun. Um, that, that was something I wasn't expecting. I honestly thought they might go for that as an overarching villain story moving forward because The Secret Wars was, or Secret Invasion was such a huge Marvel story and a huge seller for that um for that comic line. So, yeah, very interesting stuff, and I think that could be a lot of fun. Um, the next thing is production has just wrapped on Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, and we are excited to share the fantastic cast bringing the film to life. The film will arrive in theatres on July 9th, 2021. So we have... I'll read the cast. So we have Samu Lau as Shang Li, Tony Lung as Wenu, uh, Aquafina as Katie... Uh, which is awesome. I love Aquafina. Uh, Menga Zhang as uh, Shai Lang. Michelle Yeoh as Jiang Nan. Uh, Romy Chung as John John. Fala Chen as Jiang Li. And Florin, um, Florin Moon Tanu as Razor Fist. Um, none of this means a great deal to me in the sense that I don't really know a lot about Shang-Chi. Um, but this is really exciting times ahead for, I guess, uh, international audiences and representation in film um, for um, uh, for the, I guess, the more um, Asian parts of the world. I, I think this is really exciting. I'm, I'm excited to see uh, this film. I think this is going to be really cool. I hope that there is some really cool stunt work in it. I think that's my most anticipated um, part of the film. When you have people like Samu Lau and uh, Tony Leung uh, in the film, you expect that, and I really, really want that. So I'm really excited to see this one. I think this is really cool uh, moving forward, and I like to see that representation as well. So this is going to be a lot of it. Lots, um, there's a lot coming out here, and I'm just really excited. I think out of all the Marvel films coming out next year, so we have Black Widow, um, we have um, Shang-Chi as well, and we also have The Eternals, I think are our three movies next year, and uh, and I don't know, Spider-Man's the year after. Um, Shang-Chi is my most anticipated easily. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, we also got the first trailer for Loki. Out of all the Disney Plus shows, surprisingly, Loki was the best-looking one to me. Now, the idea of this Loki show is that uh, in in, in uh, Endgame, where he picked up the cube, he um, it started a different timeline there, essentially, for Loki. Um, we have Owen Wilson in the film, uh, in the show as well. Um, I was really excited to see at the end of the trailer is uh, it's like Loki taking on the persona of different people during history. My favorite being him taking on uh, the role as DB Cooper. For those who don't know, D D the story of DB Cooper essentially he 
hijacked a plane, demanded money, got the money, took off in the plane, and then jumped out of the plane, and he was never seen again. He's still on the FBI's most wanted list, which is pretty crazy. Um, and Loki is DB Cooper. Um, Owen Wilson shows up as well in the trailer. It looks a lot of fun. Um, it looks so different and weird, and Loki is so likable. I'm so excited for that one. I think it looked fantastic. We got the first trailer as well for What If. Um, again, I don't really care. It's cool that all the actors are returning to voice these characters, which is really fun. Um, with the What If scenarios, though, essentially it's like, um, what if this happened in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? So we have things like... Um, the, the main one, I think, was Black um, Panther become Star-Lord. So, that like, um, T'Challa become Star-Lord. So, that's cool. Um, and just things like that. So, that could be a lot of fun. Um, and we'll see what happens there. Um, we also have the first trailer for The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It looks like it's full of action. That was a very action-packed trailer. Um, I love that um, we have uh, Daniel Brühl returning as um, Zemo. That's a lot of fun too, but yeah, it looks fun. It was my most anticipated, but the trailer didn't do a lot for me, but I'm still looking forward to the show. Um, from DC Marvel, um, DC to Marvel, sorry, Christian Bale is officially joining the cast of Thor Love and Thunder as the villain Gore the God Butcher. Um, Christian Bale has been confirmed as his character. The film will hit cinemas May 6, 2022. Christian Bale's fantastic. He's going to do well in any role, so I'm looking forward to that. But that pretty much breaks down everything, guys, out of the news. Um, the only other thing I had to talk about was Pinocchio. There's a Pinocchio film coming out with Tom Hanks playing Geppetto. I'm all for that. Tom Hanks, uh, Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks looks like the perfect Geppetto, so I'm really looking forward to that. The only other two Star Wars-related stories, we had Rangers of the New Republic set within the Mandalorian timeline as well. Fine. Um, uh, Star Wars A Droid Story doesn't really interest me. I think it's more aimed towards younger Star Wars fans. Um, but that was pretty much it. There's not a great deal else to talk about there. So that breaks down all of the movie news. So we have a lot, lot to dissect. Like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Um, I'm going to watch good content. So if it, it it's, it's strikes me in the first episodes, then I'll definitely watch it. Um, I'm not going to throw away something because it doesn't sound good because I feel like even if something doesn't sound good, it could still be good. It doesn't have to sound good. It just has to present itself well and be good. So I'm looking forward to seeing some of these um, and I'll definitely be doing reviews of them when they come out. So I'm looking forward to talking about these films in the future, definitely. Um, now, I wanted to touch base quickly on the HBO Max um, scenario. So essentially what's happened is that... Um, HBO Max and Warner Brothers have announced that Warner Brothers' entire film slate for 2021 will debut simultaneously on HBO Max and in theaters. So we have films like Godzilla vs. Kong, The Conjuring 3, uh, The Matrix 4, Dune. All these films are releasing both on HBO Max and in theaters in the same day. Now, it's created a big divide in the world of movies because... Some directors like Christopher Nolan and uh, even Denis Villeneuve, the director of Dune, has come out and slammed HBO Max and Warner Brothers for this decision, just saying it's stupid, there's no love for film. Um, and I agree. I feel like this is a really, really risky move. Um, I would rather see a lot of these films on the big screen, and I definitely will be. There's no way you're going to get me watching The Matrix 4 or Dune on on a computer screen or on a TV. I need to see those in the, on the big screen in a, in a theatre. Um, this is real risky news. I just don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if I want to see that. I, I just don't know. 
for films like The Conjuring 3, I feel like you can get away with showing that in a smaller environment. But at the same time, watching a horror movie on the big screen is a lot of fun. I just, I don't know, I just want to see cinemas survive and keep keep doing well. I, I don't want to see these films on the small screen. I just feel, I don't, I don't know the word, I, I just feel weird about watching these sort of films on the small screen. The whole thing this year has been for me that watching some of these titles released to Disney Plus or released to Netflix, it's been interesting. I I saw another critic talk about it where he discussed how it it hasn't sunk in as well as what it would if you were seeing it on the big screen. Even a terrible film, you can remember the experience of seeing that terrible film on the big screen. And it's true because going to the movie theater is an experience. So, for instance, I went and saw... Hellboy last year, and you'll remember Hellboy was one of my first podcasts. I remember exactly what it was like seeing that film on the big screen. It was a Friday night. Uh, My parents were out of town. I went and saw the film, and I sat in the second row from the back in Cinema 4. Now, I do have a pretty decent memory, but that's exactly what I remember going there. I remember there were six other people in the cinema with me. There was an old person in the cinema with me, and I thought, why are you watching this movie? This is an R-rated Hellboy movie. This doesn't really look like your cup of tea. Um, But it's things like that. I remember watching those films, and I remember those experiences. Watching these films on uh, Blu-ray, DVD, or watching them on streaming, it doesn't just sink in as well. It just feels like it just... Yeah, it, it just doesn't resonate with me as well as what it would have I was seeing it on the big screen. For instance, Milan this year. I hate these bloody Disney live-action remakes. I've talked about that. I don't like them. Um, but I, I watched Milan. I got the Blu-ray of it. I wasn't paying $30 on Disney Plus to watch it. Um, I got the Blu-ray of it, and I watched it on Blu-ray with my partner. And I just remember after watching it, I completely forgot the next day I'd seen it, where if I hadn't gone to the movies and seen it, guarantee I would have been talking about it the next day, whether I liked it or what I... What I didn't like about it, I I just didn't have anything to say and that's why I didn't do a podcast on it. It just has been one of those years where seeing it on the small screen, like you can still enjoy movies on the small screen, don't get me wrong. I loved The Trial of the Chicago 7. Check out my review, I adored it. But I just feel if I had the chance to see films like that on the big screen, they would just mean a lot more to me because I have that experience of seeing them there. Whereas next year, if people choose to watch them on HBO Max, it's just going to really hurt the cinema industry and really hurt the potential to see some of these films on the big screen. Um, Disney announced yesterday as well, which I didn't touch on, that Black Widow will definitely be holding its May 7th release date for next year and it will definitely be released into theatres. And I feel like that was a, a stab back at Warner Brothers for announcing what they have. But like a lot of people are saying as well, The idea of Warner Brothers doing this is that they can withdraw that statement at any time. They can come out tomorrow and say, uh, after the release of the first film, which I believe is a James Wan horror film, they could release that on HBO Max and no one watches it and just think, okay, well, this isn't working. We're releasing them in theatres from here on out. They can do that. But I just wish that they were a bit more stern in what they were trying to do. They're hurting the industry in general. And Denis Villeneuve put it as that they're in love more with the concept of trying to get these viewers to watch the film on a smaller scale where this wasn't the intention of the filmmaker. And I feel like visionaries like Denis Villeneuve and Christopher Nolan, people who have a real vision of what their film is and what they want their film to be, they have this idea in their head. And because they've got this idea, they want that to be shared with the world. Where that's not really happening 
in this scenario because they're being released on a on a scale that they weren't meant to. That trailer for Dune is special. Like, it, it's amazing. And when you see some of those visuals and, like, watching Blade Runner 2049 on the big screen, I, I was so cranky that I couldn't get away from uni to watch it in IMAX. Like, it just was so amazing and visceral. And I know that Dune's going to be the same as well. But, I, and, and, like, again, it's personal preference because if it's releasing in cinemas the same day as it is on HBO Max and you have the opportunity to go to the cinema but whether or not people are going to do it. If if they get more viewership and make more money out of people watching these movies on Disney+, Plus, uh, sorry, on HBO Max, then they're not going to release them in theatres anymore. So it's really in the audience's hands here of what they want to do. Now, people are saying, oh, well, you can pay $15 for your HBO Max subscription and get all these movies. I don't think that will be the case. I feel like they'll do the Disney model where they're going to charge you $30 on top of your membership to watch these films um, so they actually make a profit because if people have just got a Disney or oh, HBO Max um, subscription there for you know, $15 a month and they're releasing these multi-hundreds of millions of dollars worth of film on uh, this streaming service, it's not going to work because... There's not that many people subscribing, especially considering in Australia here, we still don't even have HBO Max. So, yeah, it, it's it's really interesting at the moment. Um, Wonder Woman's been announced for um, Christmas Day, so I don't know if it's going to release on Boxing Day here in Australia yet. I don't know. It hasn't been announced. Um, but, yeah, it, it's sort of isolating some audiences as well. Some people can't afford uh, $15 a month as well, and maybe can afford to go and see The Matrix. I know when we went to the cinemas when I was a kid, it was more so a, an event. It was something exciting. My parents would take myself and my brother to the theatres to see something, and it was exciting for us to do so. So I, I'm a bit saddened by the news, but at the same time, I feel like it can go 50-50. Uh, and, you know, it does lend itself sometimes to some of these films being watched on a smaller scale. Some of these films you don't need to see on the big screen. But I just like the option, you know, of uh, I would love for the vision of some of these filmmakers to be respected. Um, if Denis Villeneuve intended for his, you know, if Dune is his masterpiece, if he intended that to be seen on the big screen, then you should probably listen to the filmmaker because he's the one who's crafted this film, not some studio head who's like, oh, we could make money doing this. And I know it's a money game. The whole industry is money driven. But, yeah, it really, really really is up to the audience here, I think, to to make a decision. Are you going to watch them in the theatre or are you going to watch them at home? And, and whatever happens, happens. But I would love for the chance for these films to still be experienced on the big screen. But that wraps up this discussion, guys. Streaming, it's interesting. It's a weird world we live in, but this is the way we're moving. So you need to just, yeah, really shape up to it or, yeah, just, you know, take, take it on. Um I like the idea um, of anticipating a release to go and see on the big screen as well. Um, but I'm glad Disney Plus, um, or Disney, I keep saying Disney Plus because it's just what I see 90% of the time now in my newsfeed. I like that Disney have stood their ground and said, you know what, Black Widow is being released on the big screen. Uh, that's the way things are. So that's good. But they sort of started a lot of this as well with releasing Mulan on uh, Disney Plus. But they did make their audiences pay for it as well. So... 50-50, we'll see what happens. Now, I did announce at the start of the podcast that I did have some exciting news, and that is that I'm looking to do a podcast series with my partner, Jess. 
and we will be talking about the um, Lord of the Rings. We're going to do a review of Lord of the Rings. So the idea of this is that she has never seen Lord of the Rings before. So what we'll be doing is doing a preview for each film and a review for each film. So we'll be talking about what's going to happen in each film um, and what she thinks is going to happen and her expectations for the film. And then we'll talk about it afterwards and where she thinks the story is going from here. We'll be doing this on the extended versions as they've recently received a 4K release. I still haven't got mine yet, um, and it has sold out pretty much Australia-wide. I went to order it on Sanity the other day, and it is sold out. So we'll see what happens there. If I can get it on 4K, I can get it on 4K. If I can't, then we'll be watching just my regular Blu-ray extended editions. But we'll see what happens. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. I think it'll be a lot of fun um, and looking to do more collaborations in the future. Um, my buddy Matt Hudson from uh, What We Watch Tonight, um, I'm hoping to have him on the podcast to discuss uh, a film again like we did with the George Retrospective Review, but we'll see what happens there. Um, and yeah, it's it's been a year. It has been a year, but you will hear from me shortly and I'll have more content coming at you shortly. If you want to get in touch too, guys, send an email or a message on my Facebook page, um, ozmoviegeek at gmail.com or... Yeah, message me on Facebook, follow me on Instagram, follow me on Twitter. I'm active across all social media platforms, while I try to be. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to more content coming at you guys, and I will be back soon. So stay tuned for more content coming at you shortly. Peace out.